sure how this is gonna go today. I have not been feeling well, so that's why the message is, is late today. Um, but I did want to talk about some things today that I collected over the week. And again, I'm trying to still figure out this format. What does tech is not neutral looks like? Um, over the next few weeks, I will be trying out Twitch uh, to see if that is a, another platform to do something on. But let me just dive into this and get this over with because there were some interesting things that I saw this week and I'm just one person. So if I can pick, so that's what I was spending in the last hour of just trying to figure out what I wanted this show to be about because there's so much that's happening. And so if I can, um, let me just switch out my glasses because these are very highly reflective. But if I can um, find Okay, no, oh, okay. If I can um, have enough articles or stories in a week about how, as examples of tech not being neutral, think about the aggregated numbers. Um, so what started my week was last Sunday with um, CB, oh, not CBS, yeah, well, CBS 60 Minutes. And I have two um, stories that came out of the Mueller report. So while we're... People arguing about impeachment and people arguing about collusion or conspiracy. There are some tech things that are happening that Mueller and his investigators pulled out of that report. And one of them is the that um, these um, um, individuals in Russia were using Bitcoin. And that's how they pay for um, um, many of the ads and, and things that they were um using to target these groups on Facebook and Twitter. Um, they, Bitcoin has also been a way for laundering money so that they, um, you don't know where the money's coming from, who it's going to, that kind of thing. But I just found that interesting because no one's talking about that again. Tech gets to, you know, while we're having these discussions about, um, you know, whether he is or whether he isn't, there are some underlining things that that Mueller, Mueller report was saying that no one's talking about. And I think that's a huge um, thing to address that people are, are missing. There was several, there were several points of, for some reason I want to say contact, but that was, that's not the word. There were several points within the report where they talked about techno how technology was used and by the Russians. And the second story was, um, it's, it's Mueller's report reveals how black activists, white tears and racism helped Trump become the president. And it's a root, the roots article. And it outlines, I mean, this is in the Mueller report, um, volume one, uh, how these Russian operatives, um, targeted, um, well, intentionally grabbed onto certain um, narratives in communities to to divide them and to make uh, particularly white people very upset. Um, I didn't know about this. One of the things. So first of all, I knew that um, they had they done the ads. I didn't know they were actually had taken certain personas and were created accounts to make them look like they were actually other actually existing people. 
who were in the movement. But one thing that I found interesting, and I just did not know about this, was but the I, the organization who did that, but the IRA went beyond social media to infiltrate black organizations. In February 2017, the fictitious online persona Black Fist, um, who was pro- uh, primarily concerned with black people protecting themselves and knowing the law, hired a New York martial arts um, instructor to teach a self-defense class. Um, and then it says, according to WTXL, um, the person's name is Ed Wale, um, didn't know the Russians were behind it. And he was paid $320 per class via um, through PayPal or Google Wallet for four monthly classes. His contract was his contact was a person named Taylor who he only communicated with via telephone and was instruct and who instructed Ed Wale to take pictures of the black people learning martial arts. And then it says the same, now stay with me because this is going to tell a story. The same scenario took place in dozens of cities across the U S which all included similar um, circumstances and the mysterious Taylor paying personal trainers, boxing instructors, and martial arts teachers to teach self-defense to African-Americans, but only if they could take pictures. So it says, so what would the, what would the point of pictures of black people learning to fight? Well, it seems as if the Russians knew that playing up white people's racial anxieties was one of the keys to helping Trump win. So it was, it was intentionally contracting martial arts instructors, boxing instructors, whatever, to have these classes um, and then having them take pictures of these classes and then taking those pictures and um, spreading them in white communities where racial, um, the, the anxiety of black people learning to protect themselves is already high. So that was quite telling and very and again, it's in the Mueller report and no one's talking about this stuff. And so it's like so many people have been, manip- man- excuse me, manipulated and think they know what truth is. And this is, this is so frustrating to me sometimes because there's con- I can witness conversations online where you know what they believe is absolutely wrong, but there's absolutely nothing you can say that is going to change their minds. And that belief only leads to harming of vulnerable people. And so this is what happened. It's like, um, cause it talks about, it goes on further. It talks about, um, so, um, did playing up racism on social media help Trump become president? Well, Hillary Clinton received the lowest percentage of white voters, 37% of any presidential candidate. Democrat or Republican in 32 years. According to the Washington Post, more than one third of the 4.4 million Obama voters who stayed home during the 2016 presidential election were black. And the Pew uh, Research reports that in 2016, black voters turnout was down uh, for the first time in 20 years. Um, so it says no one is sure if the voter turnout is due to the fact that Obama raised the enthusiasm of black voters during the campaign. Um, but Mueller report, but the Mueller report makes it clear when it, when it came to black, to the black vote, there was definitely obstruction. So it's there. 
and we're not this is a conversation we're not having um no one and i've seen no one besides you know seen no one in 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 in, um in um visual press talking about these none of this on these talk shows that i've seen are talking about this and this is a very important point so the next thing i want to talk about was um so we're going to get into came across an article i used to work for google and now i'm a conscientious objector so we're going to get into the google part of today's um show which is um so it says american companies continue to build surveillance tools that are used to violate human rights workers who refuse to comply um deserve protection and so uh, this one sentence says um by the time uh but the time has passed because he's talking about um, they started talking about how this these projects of um, Dragonfly and all these other projects that um, Google was looking into to partner with the Chinese government to have these surveillance um, 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 projects. So it says, but the time has passed when tech companies could can simply build tools, write algorithms, and amass data without regard to who uses the technology and for what purpose. That is so vital. And it's a part of the four tenets of, of the four themes of hashtag cause a scene, which are, um, you know, protecting the most vulnerable in our communities. Tech is not neutral, as the name of the show Lack of inclusion is a risk management issue and um, intention without strategy is a risk management uh, and attention without strategy is a, um, leads to chaos. And so we do this every day in the tech space. Someone comes up with some what they think is a novel idea and they um, code it because they can um, and they get their friends together and they come together and they build this thing without regard to who it might be affecting and how it can be used for unintended purposes. Um, and, and we need to start looking at that. And so one of the things out of this article says direct action from tech workers has been undeniably effective. Human rights organizations um, must therefore continue to advocate the legal protection of whistleblowers and conscientious objectors, including the protection of protecting the organization. Uh, protecting the organizing required for an effective um, collective action. Further, the broader social, um, the broader civil society could increase the frequency of whistleblowing by creating a dedicated legal defense fund. And then it says tech companies. And so this is, again, why tech is not neutral. They, they want to sit back and they want to say, oh, we're all about, we want to create these things that make the world better. And we just want to be these great um um stewards of society tech companies are spending record amounts on lobbying and quietly fighting to limit employees legal protections for organizing um this is what the problem is so you see these um tech companies talking about how you know jack and zook and all and 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 musk and um, Bezos and how we're, you know, we're solving the problems of the world, want to make the world better, but they're not stupid. They also understand that if that is true, if if it's even, then the employees and, and customers also have a say. So they are using the same um, systems that 
big pharma use, that um, polluters, um, environmental polluters are using, that the NRA is, has used. They're lobbying to protect themselves. And this is where, um, again, no one's talking about that. This the stuff is going under, going under, going under the, um, you know, under the radar because all we want to talk about is their great products. Um, you don't get to do that. So the next one is, I don't know, I stuck this in here just because, and I don't want to talk much about this because it's, Microsoft staff um, are openly questioning the value of diversity. So since employees are openly questioning whether, some Microsoft employees are, open question, are openly questioning whether diversity is important in a lengthy discussion, internal um, online messaging, um, two posts on the board criticizing Microsoft diversity initiatives as discriminatory hiring and suggestion that women are less suited for engineering roles have elicited more than um, 800 comments, both affirming and criticizing the viewpoints. Um, and then there's this, um, this one quote, does Microsoft have any plans to end the current policy that financially incentivizes discriminatory, discriminatory hiring practice. To be clear, I'm referring to the fact that senior leadership is rewarded more money if it if they discriminate against Asians and white men. Um, and this is a, and I guess they wanted to make sure we, the person wanted to know, us to make sure they, we knew that it was a, a female. I don't care. Um, uh, again, I'm just going to spend just a, so the first, the first, so below is a selection of comments from the, this one employee who's a, a female uh, a manager with the capitalization for emphasis uh, in the original comments. Uh, so she says, because women used to be actively prohibited from full-time employment many um, decades ago, there is now a misguided belief that women should in all caps because emphasis work. And if women aren't in all caps uh, for emphasis working, there's something wrong. Many women speak simply aren't cut out for the corporate rat race, rat, rat race, so to speak. And that's not because of patriarchy. It's because men and women are identical and women are, um, as much more inclined to gain fulfillment elsewhere. So there is, <sighs> Okay, let me just, um, we still lack the empirical evidence, which is not true, um, that the uh, that the demographic distribution in tech is rationally and logically detrimental to the success of business in, in this industry. We have a plethora of, uh, uh, of data available to demonstrate women are less likely to be interested in engineering at at all than men, and it's not because of isms or phobias. Um, or unconscious bias is because men and women think very differently from each other, which is true. Um, and, um, in some cases, <laughs> um, and the specific types of thought process and problem solving required for engineering in all kinds, software and otherwise, is simply less prevalent among women. This is an established fact. However, these established facts make people very uncomfortable because it suggests that the gender distribution in engineering might not actually be a problem and thus women can no longer blot uh, about um, being victims of sexism in the workplace. These facts are ignored in favor of the meaningless platitudes of senior leadership team continue to shove down our throats. A, um, a example 
we're not doing enough and we we clearly have a long way to go. We must continue we must immediately cease the practice of attaching financial incentives and performative metrics to diversity hiring as long as we give more money and as long as we give more money and hire annual reviews explicitly uh for not hiring and promoting white men and Asians, this will continue to be a serious problem in the country, in the company. Okay, let me discuss this. Okay, I agree that there should not, there should be no uh, financial incentives in uh, performance matrix for diversity hiring. I don't believe in diversity hiring um, because again, as I've said, diversity and inclusion should be the bedrock of your company. It should not be these extra things that you do outside. But because our companies are lack diversity and inclusion, there are things that need to happen. Does, um, if you think attaching, um, so I'm going to specifically address this. So if you're, incentivizing um, diversity hiring. I'm going to assume that this, that this is going to, we're going to say that what they're saying is diversity hires women and people of color, people with disabilities, LGBTQ. I, I'm just going to, no, I'm going to take that back because we don't, I'm just going to say women and minorities. Um, if hiring incentives were established before Based on as a manager, if you're bringing in people, if your team, if you're bringing in effective people to do the job and your team is working um, and you get a bonus for that. Um, why should that change? Now, I'm not going to say that you should um, that you should get more. And I'm going to and people are going to argue with me. But this is why I don't uh, I, I agree with this point, because I what I, as an educator, I saw this happening in the school systems. So when the testing, big testing thing happened, you know, everybody needs to be on the standardized test and how your students performed was based on your pay or even if you kept your job. Some some school systems, if your if your students did well, you got a bonus. Other school school systems made it so that if your students did not do well or did either, however they performed, would determine if you got a contract the next year. That is setting up a situation for people to cheat. That is setting up a situation because they damn that they do and they damn that they don't and they need a job. So if this is happening, then what they're saying is it's it's bringing in less effective people. But that's not what happens. Um, no, people aren't in, in business. I would hope not. And I'm hoping not at Microsoft that you're going out and hiring people because of their gender and their, and, and their ethnicity and race. Um, and they're not qualified to do the work. And see, this is the thing that, that gets people all the time because they want to say that doing this lowers the bar. It does not. These individuals have the qualifications. They just can't get through the door. And this is what people don't ever want to talk about. There's so much gatekeeping. There's so much culture fit. There's so much bullshit that they're just to get a woman. And and I don't consider white women diversity at all anyway. But to consider, I'll just use me as an example, myself as an example. For me to get through the door, do you know how much bullshit I have to go through to get to the door? I have to have way more degrees than most of the people working at these companies. I have to put in way more hours. I have to come in. I have to come in. 
to even get an interview, I have to prove what I know, whereas other individuals are brought in and then they get to prove themselves. That's what people don't get about affirmative action. Affirmative action is something that once we get in, we are, it's not like we're going to sit back and like, oh, we're, no, we have to work harder. If there is no department and we're put in charge of the department, we have to fucking make the department up. We have to create it. We don't get the chance to sit back and, and enjoy. We have to work harder. So this, so again, I get, that was just one point I wanted to pull up because I like to be the devil's advocate. Cause I, so this is, this is because this is how these arguments go because there's enough truth in them to get people to question. But then their logic just falls apart. It's just like if I had a conversation with this person, it would just they would just fall apart because you, you you there's enough truth in what you're saying, except for the fact that data continues to prove um, both in academia and in, in business that diversity is important for um, uh, we are in a knowledge economy. We are not we are no longer built making widgets, and we need to stop that. You can't have a knowledge um, based not a learning organization when um, there are only one set of people there. That's just not how that works, especially when you have a global um, com- customer and, uh, and client base. So nothing about <laughs> this whole, there's no data that proves that diversity and inclusion um, helps ROI is true. So, okay, that I'll leave that alone. And then I want to get into briefly about what's going on at Google since the... Um, since the walkout. So there's been some retaliation issues that are going on and um, two individuals specifically who've either um, their, their, the work they're working on has discontinued and they have been given like toads to stop doing, working on these projects or they've been demoted and their, um, their workload is, 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 um, has, um, you know, being given out to somebody else until one person got actually got an attorney. And so this goes back to that conscientious objector um, article that I read earlier is that on the surface, you see what you see it as one thing. But when you look deeper into it, it's something else, because what happened is um, they just had a, a town, a global town hall meeting. And for the first time, um, non-contract uh, contract workers those individuals who uh, companies like Amazon, Microsoft, Google um, actually shit on the ones that they don't give health insurance to the one. It was an employee meeting and they've come together and said, you know what? And this is what I say all the time. We get there together and not at all. And when you protect the most vulnerable, everybody is protected. So this is I'm happy to see that Google, they, that the Google employees have have um have adopted this model of bringing in those most vulnerable um employees within their organization although they are contract workers and see that's how that's another thing that these tech companies get away with so now they are they lobbying so much but they're using uh everybody's a, a contractor as you see with Uber and all these other things and that means you don't pay taxes or you don't have to abide by certain rules that other businesses have when they have employees or you have situations like this that you farmed out um these 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 roles to other places who hire in so these people are not considered um employees but they are treated as employees um and then but yet they don't have the benefits that Google employees or Microsoft employees or whatever have and so I'm happy to see that the Google um 
the Google employees have actually brought these most vulnerable individuals in and are, are, are um, moving forward with we get there together or not at all. Um, and then I wanted to talk about, you know, Twitter. This one article that was quite interesting to me, it says, why won't Twitter treat white supremacy like ISIS? And it says, because it would mean banning some Republican um, politicians too. A Twitter employee who's working on machine learning believes that a proactive uh, algorithmic solution to white supremacy would catch, would also catch um, Republican politicians. And I just want to read you this paragraph. Twitter has not publicly explained why it has been why it has been um, able to successfully eradicate ISIS while it continues to struggle with white nationalism. As a company, Twitter won't say that it can't treat white supremacy in the same way it treated ISIS, but external experts, uh, Motherboard spoke to this Motherboard article, said that the measures taken against ISIS were so extreme that if applied to white supremacy, there would certainly be a backlash. Because the algorithms would obviously flag content that has been tweeted by prominent Republicans or at the very least their supporters. So it's no surprise that then employees at the companies. um, um, So it's no surprise then that employees at the company have realized that as well. This is the stuff that Jack Jack doesn't want to talk about. This is why I got pissed off about him going and having a closed door meeting with um, um, the president of the United States. These are the, again, these are the conversations that people aren't having. So it's, and and it goes to, again, the lobbying. And when you hear that this president or talks about how, you know, keeps talking about how on these platforms that the conservative um, um, voice is being shut out. Because the conservative voice is rooted in white supremacy. And so you're, and, and so it's this catch 22 because these public officials, you don't want to be seen as censoring them. And yet you don't get to say everything you want to say because again, Twitter is a private platform and it's not, does not protect your first amendment rights. So this is the, these are the conversations we really need to have in tech, um, challenging, um, this bullshit because the reason you clamp down on ISIS is because those were brown people. Let's just be absolutely clear because, um, that's what you did. You clamped down on ISIS because they were brown people. And because we're talking about white people now, um, it's like, ah, that, but that, nah, whatever. Fuck y'all. And so the last story I wanted to leave you with, and I think this is what I'm actually going to do each time. But this is the one thing I do know this show is going to do. It's going to have a story that kind of brings all these like things together. And so there's a story in the appeal. And then the, t- the headline is Chicago is tracking kids with GPS monitors that can call and record them without consent. So I want you to listen to this through the lens of not that these are black kids, but these are your little white babies. That's what I want you to put your, this in your head, that these are your little white babies. Okay. Because when you think of black kids, there's so much anti-blackness in, in you that you probably will never admit to. But I want you to think, just understand that your little white kids are not treated as well or the same as black kids. So it says on March 29th, court officials in Chicago strapped an ankle monitor onto Sean, a 15-year-old awaiting trial on charges of armed robbery. 
Um, they explained that the device would need to be charged for two hours a day and that it would track his movements using GPS technology. So again, let me stop you right there because I know there's some anti-blackness popping up in your head because he's been charged with armed robbery. Remember in this, in this country, you are innocent until proven guilty. And your babies are always given the benefit of the doubt. So I'm going to challenge you because I know it popped up in some of your heads because it says he's been charged. He hasn't even been to court yet. Okay. He was told um, he would have to be given permission to leave his, ho- his house, even to go to school. But he found out that through his monitor, officials wouldn't just be able to track his location as most uh, electronic monitors do, they would also be able to speak and to listen to him. This is a minor. Again, I want to bring this to your attention because you always uh, adultify black and brown kids, but infantile, you emphasize yours. So I need you to think about this. This is a 15-year-old. He's probably a ninth or 10th grader. And these adults have permission to listen in and to speak to him in his bedroom, his parents aren't in there. Um, he, his guardians aren't around anywhere. He's in the bathroom. They get to listen to this. I, and so this is his words. Um, this is his mom. I feel like they are listening to what he's saying, says Sean's mom, mother. They can hear everything. We could be um, here talking about anything. Sean, whose name has been changed to protect his identity, is one of hundreds of children in Chicago whose ankle monitors are now equipped with microphones and speakers. That's the stated purpose of these devices is to communicate with the children. Again, they're fucking children, okay? But they are raising concerns among civil liberty watchers that they are actually a, are actually a mechanism for surveilling the conversations of these kids and those around them, and potentially for using the recordings in criminal cases. So I'm going to leave you with that, because, again, these brown and black young children are being monitored 24 hours a day in every facet of their lives and being recorded. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this special episode of the Hashtag Cause Scene podcast. I would like once again to give thanks to the author of How to Be an Anti-Racist, Professor Ibram X. Kendi. Learn more about his work at his website at ibramxkendi.com. Please consider becoming an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Cause Scene movement by visiting the website at hashtagcausescene.com. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.